0: Long years ago, without it sin, I had no hope, no peace within, down on my knees, I, I pray to Jesus and He glad to me, I never shed trials come to comfort me. Through faith in Him, the same, I have a big glory. I never shall, never shall forget When all the burdens from my soul rolled away, it made me happy, glad and free. I've seen His shout before I'll be bound to first to hear your reverence, your pain and cleansing, give giving peace, joy, and I'll never shout, I'll never shout.
1: a word for us. Tonight we're going to go ahead and put up my first slide. Tonight we're going to begin our final spiritual discipline in this series um, that we've been looking at, and that is the spiritual discipline of fasting. But before we do, uh, as always, we're going to go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to anoint me and to anoint you. Amen. To prepare us for the word that he has in store for us not only to prepare us to hear, but to respond as well. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day that you have blessed us with. And God, even though the rain can create quite a mess and sometimes just be unpleasant, we thank you, Father God, that uh, there's a need for that rain. And you know it just as well as we do. So we rejoice, Father God, even when it's raining outside. But most of all, I pray that you would rain here on the inside. God, that you would just rain down with your anointing, that you would rain down with your mercy and grace and everything that your people need this evening. I just pray, Father, that you would anoint me uh, to spring forth your word. I pray, Father, that you would anoint my mind and my body and my mouth to bring forth the word of the Lord. And I pray that you would anoint your people to receive the word as well, that they would receive it with gladness, God, that it would find a place in the soil of their soul, that it might bear fruit and fruit that will last Challenge us with your word tonight and change us by the power of it. In Jesus name I pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Even though this is the last discipline that we're going to look at or cover in detail in the series, I want you to know that there are other disciplines that we must incorporate into our lives as well. Not just the few that we've looked at. I want to just real briefly mention a couple that we need to have as much a part of our life as prayer And as uh, the word of God and as service and worship and some of the others that we looked at, the discipline of stewardship, the discipline of giving, for example, has the power to open up the windows of heaven into our life and pour out a blessing that the word of God says we cannot contain. God himself in Malachi chapter 10 said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Or bring the whole tithe into the church and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing into your life that you cannot contain. I don't know about you, but I want God to throw open the windows of heaven into my life. Amen? And the way that we can experience that is through the spiritual discipline of stewardship and giving to the work of the kingdom of God. Jesus himself in the same manner in Luke 6.38 said, give... And it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and flowing over into your life. I want you to know that if you're suffering lack in your life, one of the reasons that you must have to look at is, is, is the possibility of you not exercising or practicing the spiritual discipline of giving. Because when you practice that, God promises to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing into your life. The only reason I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that is earlier the year. You probably uh, remember as I talked about the faithful steward and the unfaithful steward and stewardship. And so we've already learned all of that in detail. But I will tell you this evening that if you're not giving, if you're not tithing, If you're not bringing your gifts into the house of God, you not only are robbing God, you're robbing yourself of a blessing that no other discipline can bring into your life than that of stewardship. Amen. It's a discipline we cannot afford to overlook. The discipline of evangelism in the same way is a discipline that needs to be put into practice in our lives as well. Because it is the very discipline that answers the high call of Jesus Christ upon our lives. And that call is to go, therefore, into all of the earth and preach the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus did it, and we should do it as well. If we want to be like Christ, we've got to exercise this spiritual discipline. He came for one reason and one reason only, and that was to share the good news. And bring into this world good news instead of bad news. How many of you know the world is filled with bad news? And so it's our responsibility to exercise the discipline of evangelism to a lost and dying world. Another discipline, real quick, that we should all practice is one of journaling. It's one that we tend to overlook so often. What I mean about journaling is keeping a written history of our spiritual journey. There are things in our life that we should write down, especially spiritual things. In Ezekiel 43:11, God said, "...make known to them the design of the temple." its arrangements its exhibits and entrances its whole design and all of its regulations and laws Write these down in front of them so that they may be faithful to its design and follow all of its regulations. And I want you to know, church, that we are today's temple. We, too, I want you to understand God has a perfect design for you and me. There are some regulations that he has concerning our life. There are some outlines that he has established concerning our life. And unless we write them down, we can't keep them. Unless we write them down, unless we we have a written history of the things God has spoken into our life and speaking into our life and directing and how he's directing our life, we cannot fulfill that perfect design he has for us. In other words, what I'm telling you is when you come into the house of God and the pastor is preaching to you, it's not the pastor speaking to you, it's God speaking to you, and you need to write down the things that he's speaking into your spirit. There are things that we need to write down. I listed some of the things concerning Journaling that we should write down. We should write down lessons that we have learned. We should write down victories that we have won. We should write down heartaches that we have suffered. We should write down prayers that have been answered and costs that have been counted. And the list goes on and on and on. What I want you to understand is that journaling is a written testament of God's presence and direction in our life. And we cannot afford to not practice this spiritual discipline. Because it will serve as a source of encouragement not only to you, but to those that God brings into your life. God will speak to you. The one thing that I've learned about journaling is that, listen, I've got a journal by my bed. God will wake me up in the middle of the night, and I need a place to write down what God's speaking into my life. Listen, sometimes I do it in the middle of the night, in the dark, I don't want to turn on the light, because I don't want to wake up my wife, and in the morning I can't hardly read what I wrote, but I'm journaling what God spoke to me. I have a journal in my office, even though I'm in the house of God. There are times God speaks to me. He wants to give me a lesson, or He wants to give me a direction, or He he moves on me to call on somebody, and I want to write it down, because my day might get busy, and I might forget what God spoke to me, but I can go back and I can look at it. I have a journal in my car. It's not that I write while I'm driving. Some people actually have a cassette recorder and they'll record things about work and stuff like that. But we should have one for the things of God as well, because when you're driving down the road and you you know, you just got to occupy some time. Sometimes it's a place God speaks to you and you need to learn to journal. Amen. So those are spiritual, these are all disciplines that we must devote ourselves to. And when we do, the reward or the benefit that we've learned so far over this whole series is that this thing called godliness. It is the transformation of our soul. These disciplines that we've looked at so far release the power of God into our lives. And one of the disciplines that is packed with power not only to transform our lives, But to transform our situations and our circumstances is the spiritual discipline of fasting. It's a discipline that that a lot of us get uncomfortable with. But tonight and, and next week and maybe even the following week, I hope that we become a little bit more comfortable with it. But according to the word of God, fasting releases a power that no other discipline on its own can do. Fasting has the ability to do what no other discipline that we've learned uh, about before can do. Fasting, I put it this way, is like an octane booster. It adds power to the already powerful discipline of prayer fasting adds power to the already powerful Word of God. I want you to understand that when you're reading the Word of God, if you're fasting while you're reading the Word of God, it's going to speak to you like it's never spoken to you before. I want you to understand that if you incorporate fasting with praying, it's going to go farther than that prayer has ever gone before. I want you to understand that the the, the spiritual discipline of fasting boosts the power of every other discipline that we've looked at so far. Far. Fasting takes us to another level in our spiritual walk, and we cannot afford to overlook it just because it's uncomfortable, just because it goes against the desires of our flesh. Whether you've heard of this gentleman or not, Cornelius Plantinga, he is a church reformer. He writes these words Self indulgence is the enemy of our soul and of gratitude, while self discipline is its friend and generator. That is why gluttony is a deadly sin, he writes, because full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge off of our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil our appetite for God. And I want you to know that not only God knows that our appetite God knows that food has the food and a full stomach has the potential to spoil our appetite for God. It has the power church to create lazy saints instead of powerful saints, and this is one of the reasons why the Bible talks to us about the spiritual discipline of fasting, because fasting church is used to quicken our spirit and to deny our flesh. It, it, I want you to understand that that full stomachs, according to the Word of God, have the power to spoil our appetite for God, but fasting listen, it reminds our flesh that our flesh isn 't in charge. Fasting reminds our flesh who boss who the boss is. I know that you know this. The flesh is always the one that wants to be in charge. The flesh is the one that always wants to have the last say. The flesh is the one that wants to order your thoughts and order your attitudes and order your steps and order everything about your life. But I want you to realize that the spiritual discipline of fasting reminds the flesh who's boss. And that is the spirit that lives within us. Fasting denies the appetite of the flesh. And it ignites an appetite for God. I don't know how many of you have ever fasted more than just one meal. But I want you to know that when... Any time that I fasted, and any time that I 've spoken to other individuals that have fasted for either a full day or three days at least three days into a week, they have experienced things that they have never ever experienced before. It has ignited in them a hunger for God and a, and a passion for the things of God. Fasting creates a hunger and thirst after righteousness church, unlike any other discipline that we can practice in our life. It quickens our spirit, unlike any other discipline that you can put into practice in your life. It's that important of a spiritual discipline. It is not a discipline that we can overlook. I'm not telling you that you got to fast every single week. I am telling you that fasting must, however, become a a spiritual practice that you practice in your Christian walk. Now, we, we need to understand, like I said, that fasting... The spiritual discipline of fasting enables you to see things spiritually that you've never seen before. Fasting enables you to hear things from God that you've never heard before. Fasting uh, opens up a spiritual realm that you have never probably experienced before and unless you have participated in the spiritual discipline of fasting. This is what we need to understand, that there is, there is a power and a purpose to the spiritual discipline of fasting. It's not just to... Just to say you can't eat, it's not just to to buffet your body, it's not just to brag to everybody and say, hey, I'm on a fast, I'm, I'm denying myself. There is a purpose and a power to the spiritual discipline of fasting, and if you don't incorporate it into your Christian walk, you're missing something powerful that God has in store for us. One of Christ's first requirements, church, of following him is to deny yourself. In Matthew 16:24, Jesus said, "If anyone should come after me, anyone Doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you're old, doesn't matter black, white, rich, poor, male, female, if anyone would come after me. And what he means by that, if anyone wants to lay claim to the title of Christian, that's what he's saying. If anyone wants to call themselves a son or a daughter of the Most High God, if any one of you want to say that you're like Christ, then the first thing you've got to do is deny yourself. Then you've got to take up your cross and then you get to follow him. And one of the greatest ways for us to deny the flesh, church, is through the spiritual discipline of fasting. It is to refuse to gratify the appetite of your flesh. The biblical definition of deny is this. It's long and there's a few of them. But it means to declare not to be true. It means to contradict and to oppose. So listen, when Jesus is saying deny yourself... He is saying that you need to... These are all definitions. He's saying that you need to refuse yourself and reject yourself. You need to decline yourself and, and renounce the desires of your flesh. He, it means that you have to refuse to grant rights to the desires that your flesh has. It means that you have to refuse to gratify or yield to the desires of your flesh. It means to disclaim connection with and to refuse to acknowledge... It means to disown, abjure, and disavow yourself. This is what it means to deny yourself. That's a pretty strong definition, but in other words, what Jesus is saying, if you want to follow after me, guess who can't exist? You can't. Guess who has to decrease? You must decrease so that I can decrease in, or increase in your life. And the only way that we can do that is by denying ourselves. And one of the ways that we can do that, or one of the most powerful ways we can do that, is through the spiritual discipline of fasting. You see, Jesus spoke these words because he knew without self-denial... He knew that without renouncing the flesh that you and I couldn't follow Christ like we're supposed to follow Christ. It, it means that we couldn't be a reflection of Christ like we're supposed to be a reflection of Christ. He knew that, he knew that unless we denied ourselves that we could not project his image and his character to a lost and dying world. We couldn't fulfill the high call of Jesus Christ upon our lives. Listen, why would somebody accept Christ? Uh, in other words... If we are a false representation of Christ to this world, they can't accept Christ. We have to be a right representation to this world of Jesus Christ, or they're not going to want Jesus Christ. If all they see are fleshly attitudes and fleshly uh, uh, and fleshly activities, and, and 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 if all they see in you is the same thing that they see in that world out there, why would they want Jesus? We've got to show them Jesus through through the way that we live, the way that we talk, and the sacrifices that we make. And one of the ways that we can do that is by incorporating the spiritual discipline of fasting in our life. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 16 to remind us that the flesh is contrary to the spirit. Galatians 5.17 tells us that the spirit and the flesh, church, are in opposition to one another. It tells us they, they are in constant conflict with one another. In other words, what that means is that your flesh and your spirit are in a constant battle. Each one of them, the flesh and the spirit, wants, wants the throne of your heart and the throne of your life. Each one, the flesh and the spirit, wants to be in charge, wants to have in authority, wants to be in control. Every morning you wake up, the flesh wants to be in control. The flesh wants to be in charge, and the Holy Spirit wants to be as well. And one of the ways That we can assure that the Holy Spirit is in control of our life is by denying ourselves. And one of the ways, amen, that we deny ourselves is through the spiritual discipline of fasting because it reminds the flesh you're not in charge, you're not in control. I'm not going to cave into your desires, I'm not going to cave into your cravings, I'm not going to cave into your lusts. I am giving myself to God and not to you. And unless, listen, unless we practice the, this discipline of fasting in our life, denying the flesh becomes extremely difficult in your life. Extremely difficult in your life. So, we have to remind the flesh from time to time that the Holy Spirit is in charge. The Word of God tells us that we are to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Because when we walk by the, when we walk by the Spirit we will not satisfy the desires of the flesh but when we walk by the flesh guess what you can't satisfy the desires of the holy spirit when you give in to every craving every longing every lust every hunger every grumble that the flesh the flesh wants you to satisfy you cannot fulfill the will of god in your life who's going to win the battle Who's going to win that battle in your life? And we must exercise every discipline we can to assure that the Holy Spirit wins that battle in our life. We do that by feeding the spirit and not by feeding the flesh. What we do through the spiritual discipline of fasting is to disclaim connection with our flesh. For a moment in time, whether it's one breakfast, one lunch, one dinner, one day, one week, one month never suggest anybody even try to fast full fasting, and we're going to learn about all the different fasting uh, next week. But what I'm saying is that whether it's one day or one week, uh, you have to dedicate it to the Lord. What I'm saying is that during that one week, you are disclaiming connection with your flesh. You see, if you don't disclaim connection with your flesh, you're going to satisfy the desire of your flesh. You have to, when you enter into a time of fasting, disclaim the desires of your flesh for God's sake and for your soul's sake. It's a struggle. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do to disclaim the, the, and disavow the desires of your flesh for more than a couple meals. I've been there. But when you do, it releases the power of God into your life, and it'll do things that you've never experienced in your life before. Fasting is a time when we disavow and disown the desires and the cravings and the grumblings and the appetites of our flesh for the sake of our soul, and for the sake of the kingdom of God, maybe for the sake of your family. Maybe for the sake of a ministry. Maybe for the sake of a friend who's lying in a hospital bed. Maybe for the sake of an individual who's lost out in that world and going to hell unless they hear from God. You see, fasting, church, is an opportunity in a way that we can let God know how desperate we are about the situation and the circumstance we're facing in our life. Fasting buffets the body. Fasting brings it is a way of bringing the body into control and bringing the body into obedience in 1st Corinthians 9 27 Paul said I buffet my body. He said I bring it into bondage and I make it slave to to my spirit so that after preaching to others I myself may not be disqualified and one of the main ways that Paul made his body slave was through the spiritual discipline of fasting. I want you to know that if you're struggling with your flesh if you're struggling with any kind of fleshly vice, if you're struggling with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, if you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling or know someone that's struggling with alcohol or struggling with drugs or struggling with pornography, I encourage you to, to seek God about fasting. Because fasting is a way to buffet your body. Fasting is a way to tell the devil that he's not in control, but that I'm giving myself completely to the Lord to overcome the desires of, uh, of the flesh in my life. So I want you to understand that there is power in fasting. Fasting brings the body into obedience and it makes the slave flesh. I mean, it makes the flesh slave to the spirit instead of the spirit being a slave to the flesh. Because when we're flesh or when we're slaves to the flesh, the word of God tells us, like I said, we cannot do what's pleasing to the Lord. In Deuteronomy 31:20 20 to 21, it says this, When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised an, on oath to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. I know what they are disposed to do, God said, even before I bring them into the land I promised them on an oath. And what this means, if you don't understand it, is before God ever took them into the promised land, before God escorted them through the wilderness and brought them into that land flowing with milk and honey, God knew as soon as they got there that they would be given to filling their belly... And walking away from God. Before he ever took them into the land of Canaan. Before, listen, he ever tore down the walls of Jericho. Which blocked the the greatest portion of the promised land for the Israelites. Before all of that, God knew as soon as they get there. They've got the potential to fill their bellies, become content and walk away from me. And go and serve other gods. This is the power of a full stomach church. This is the power that food has and the, and the cravings of our flesh have in our life. And this is one of the main reasons that God says we've got to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting in our life. Because the power, uh, the power that the flesh has and the power that a full stomach has in our life. God knew before His children got to the promised land that filling their bellies could cause them to wander away from God and it can do the same exact thing with us. Listen, there's nothing more dangerous than contentment mixed with a full belly. It can create a quick, fast, lazy Christian. Fill up your belly and have no cares in the world, and you're not going to do anything for God. You're going to lounge around on the couch. You're going to enjoy your contentment. You're going to enjoy your full belly, and you're just going to relax and let all the responsibilities go. It's just the way our flesh works. Listen, after Thanksgiving, fill up my belly. I'm nice and content. You're going to find me sitting on a couch watching football. You're not going to find me out doing tasks. You're not going to find me out doing a lot of other, you know, uh, hard uh, things. You're going to find me relaxing. And God knew that. This is why he said that we've got to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting in our lives. Because, because a full belly, church, and contentment can can really create some lazy Christians It can really hinder the work and the progress of the kingdom of God in our lives. It can lead us to spiritual laziness, and it can lead us, because it did, Into apostasy, which is the falling away from our faith and a complete falling away from the Lord. It's hard to imagine that food has that much power. It's hard to believe that a full belly has that much power. But I'm not the one telling you that. The Word of God makes it very clear that this has the potential to create lazy Christians that can't do anything for the kingdom of God. And this is exactly why we've got to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting. Listen, so many of us think that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed only because of their sexual immorality, only because of their uh, sexual perversion, only because of all all of that that filth that was going on. But Ezekiel 16.49 tells us that the sins of Sodom were the sins of pride and the sins of gluttony and the sins of laziness this is this this is what they were judged by mainly he didn't come in there's nowhere in scripture it that says that they were judged because of just their homosexuality. Listen, their homosexuality was a result of their laziness. Their homosexuality was a result of giving in to the lust of the flesh. The homosexual. any one of us can give in to the lust of flesh and do all kinds of wicked, filthy things. But their their sins were the sins of pride and gluttony and laziness. And that can be the same sin that we fall into as well. Every single one of us are given to pride. Every single one of us are given to some form of gluttony. Every single one of us have the potential to become lazy saints and lazy Christians. And the way that we combat that, the way that we battle that church, can be through this spiritual discipline of fasting. Because it ignites the spirit and it denies the flesh. If you, if you're struggling, listen, I'm telling you, if you want to ignite your if you want to ignite your prayer life, if you want to ignite your faith, if you want to begin if if you need a revival in your life, and if, if you're wondering why you're not able to do the things you used to do or as in love with God as you used to be in love with God, if there's things about your Christian walk that you can't figure out why you can't seem to be excited or why you can't seem to be joyful or why prayers aren't being answered, you seriously need to consider the spiritual discipline of fasting in your life don't do it because I told you to do it. You do it because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to you about doing it. Unfortunately, listen, church, unfortunately, in the gluttonous, self-serving, self-desirous, denialist society we live in, fasting rarely takes place in the lives of God's people. We rarely talk about it. It was only about three years ago that I would say about three years ago. You all know Jensen Franklin has a book out about fasting. But about three years ago, you never heard anything about fasting from the pulpit. Until about three years ago, before Jensen Franklin and a few other people came out with some books and, 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 and resurrected the dying discipline of fasting, it wasn't preached from the church. It went against the flesh. It went against the desires. It wasn't a popular message to preach. And it's probably still not a popular message to preach tonight. Oh, I really got to deny myself? I got to go without food. Uh, Christmas is coming up, and turkey's coming up, and Thanksgiving and pumpkin pie's coming up, and you're talking to me about fasting. Well, I want you to know to be the spiritual individual that God has called you to be, to understand the work of Jesus Christ and the greatest gift ever given to us, we need to learn to fast. We need to learn to deny the lust of the flesh and give our time to God. If there's ever a time that we need to give to God, it's during the season of Christmas where God demonstrated His love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, He gave everything He had. Jesus Christ denied Himself for us. The least we could do is deny ourselves a few meals, deny ourselves a hamburger at McDonald's, or deny ourselves lunch somewhere someday. We've got to learn to buffet our body, to discipline it. To bring it into subjection so that we might be the people that God has called us to be. It's hardly, it's hardly ever mentioned. But listen, the truth is, fasting is mentioned more in Scripture than baptism is. And yet we treat it like a discipline of old. We treat, we treat fasting like something that we don't have to do unless the pastor calls us to do it. Unless Jensen Franklin gets on the TV, unless we pick up a book that that our favorite pastor talks about fasting, we feel like fasting only has to be practiced if from the pulpit the man of God says it's time to fast. Well, that's not true. It's not biblical and it's not accurate. There are times when the pastor will call us to prayer and will call us to fasting. He'll do it this this next coming year. But we need to understand that we must learn to practice fasting all on our own. Without anyone having to coax us, without anyone having to prod us, without anyone having to preach to us, we need to learn to exercise spiritual discipline all on our own. Fasting should become a personal spiritual discipline Something, not something that that we have to wait until we're told to do to do. It should be a willful denial of the flesh in order to get closer to God. It should be a willful denial of the flesh for the sake of the soul and for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the church and its mission here on earth. You see, fasting is the discipline that buffets the flesh more than any other discipline because this is what I want you to get. Because it denies the flesh, the very thing it needs to survive. You can't survive without food. You might be able to for a day or two, but you were created to have to have food. And the thing that you were created to have to have is the very thing fasting tells you you can't have. This is what we need to understand. Fasting, church... It it denies the very thing that it needs to survive. The biblical definition of fasting is this. There's only one biblical definition of fasting. There's a lot of definitions of fasting out there, a lot of books that you can read. But there's one biblical definition of fasting, and it is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. A Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. Before I get into three things that I want you to see as I, uh, uh, when I'm ready to bring this to a close, the first thing that I want you to see is that it is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't been washing the blood, if you haven't repented of your sins and made things right with God, if He's not your Lord and Savior, if you haven't gone to the cross and asked for forgiveness, fasting does no good for you. None. None whatsoever. It might cause you to lose a pound or two, but it does nothing to draw you closer to the kingdom of God. It does nothing to open up the windows of heaven. It does nothing for you to experience the power of God in your life. you got to be washed by the blood of the Lamb before fasting has any effect in your life. If you're not right with God, fasting won't make you right with God. you got to get right with God first, and then fasting will open up the windows of heaven into your life. This is one of the things that we need to understand, but there's three things that I want you to see here concerning the discipline of fasting in the last few minutes that we have. First, like I said, you shouldn't have to be coaxed or coerced into fasting. It should be voluntary. Our desire to be like Christ, our desire to be godly and righteous, our desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, our desire to overcome sin and overcome the lust of the flesh, our our desire to experience the power of God in our own personal lives should cause every one of us to make fasting a personal part of our spiritual life. A personal part of our Christian walk. Listen, I know that there's a lot of people who have some medical conditions that may not allow them to fast. I understand that. God understands that. But I also want you to know, and I'll touch on it next week, that there are biblical forms of fasting that even those individuals can practice in their life. There are biblical forms of fasting that, that, that don't take you completely away from food. And, and and what I don't want anyone to do is ever use that as an excuse to not experience the power of God in their life. Because there are biblical forms to fasting that are safe and that will also bring blessings into your life. And we'll look at those next next week. But nonetheless, my point is we shouldn't have to be coerced into practicing any spiritual discipline, including the discipline of fasting. We shouldn't have to be coerced and coaxed into praying. We shouldn't have to be coerced and, and coaxed and prodded into worshiping the Lord. Okay, now all, everybody lift your hands. Everybody say amen. Everybody, you shouldn't have to be coerced into putting a smile on your face. You shouldn't have to be coerced into clapping and, and acting like you're happy to be in the presence of the Lord. The pastor shouldn't have to waste half of his sermon trying to motivate you to get you excited about the fact that you're in the house of God. We shouldn't have to be coerced to exercise one single spiritual discipline in our life. We should do it because we love the Lord. We should do it because he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We should do it because he first loved us. And this is how we're going to love him. We should pray because we love him. We should worship because we love him. We should read the word of God because we want to get closer to him and we should fast church. Because we want to receive the power of God into our lives and walk by the Spirit so that we don't satisfy the desires of our flesh. Spiritual discipline should be a voluntary demonstration of our devotion to God. No pastor should have to make you do any of it. And if he does, if you come to church, if you enter into, into a, the house of God waiting to be coaxed into worship... Waiting to be motivated into worship. There's something wrong with your spiritual discipline. This should all just enhance what you've already got going on in your spirit. All of the music, all of the singing, all of the piano playing, all of the the people around you. All of that stuff should just enhance what you've already got in the bottom of your soul. Because if it's not there when you come in... If you're not if you're not grateful to the Lord for what He's done, I don't care how many song and dance routines we do up here. It's not going to change your life. That's not going to set you free. You've got to have it already in the bottom of your soul. Now listen, it might ignite it more. It might magnify what you've got. It might it might assist you in doing it. But it's not in itself, it's not going to happen unless you, you're exercising those spiritual disciplines in your life. We've got, to learn, uh, we've got to learn that the pastor shouldn't be the one to have to call us to a time of prayer and fasting, even though that he will. That's not to say that a pastor can't. Just because it's voluntary doesn't mean that the pastor can't call us to a time of prayer and fasting. It doesn't mean that the shepherd can't call his flock to a place of sackcloth and ashes and, and to a place of fasting. It's called a solemn assembly, and it's, it's biblical And a pastor has a right to do that among his sheep, to call them to a solemn assembly, to a time of fasting and praying because of, because something desperately needs to take place in the house of God or in the kingdom of God or in the spiritual realm that's going on around us. The king of Nineveh, you know, and I don't want to give away too much for, from next week, but the king of Nineveh called the entire nation, the entire city to a place of fasting, to a place of denying All beasts and people were not allowed to eat for a set amount of days because they desperately needed the grace and mercy of God to be bestowed upon their life. Listen, there's times in your life where you you need to be desperate enough set aside the desires of your flesh. We sang, I'm desperate for you. I'm hungry for you. But I, I wonder if we are desperate and hungry enough to push away the plate. I wonder if we're desperate and hungry enough to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting in our lives in order to experience what we've never experienced before. Listen, over the last month, pastor said it the other day, five funerals have been performed over our people five funerals have been performed over our family members here at South Metro Ministries. Our church is filled with people that are dying in the hospital. Our church is filled with people that are suffering with cancer. Our church is filled. Your family, your brothers and sisters have marriages that are falling apart. Sons and daughters that have wandered away. Individuals that are struggling with addictions in their life. Finances that are crumbling. People that don't have jobs. They don't know how they're going to make get past tomorrow. Some are wondering if they're going to kill themselves because they cannot handle the pressure. And it's in those times that we've got to be desperate enough to fast. It's those times that we've got to be desperate enough to push away the plate so God understands the urgency of our soul. These are your brothers and sisters. They're not just our church members. They're not just some... Uh, meaningless individual i think we have lost the understanding and the fact that everybody that's here is a brother and sister in the lord we should be broken we should weep we should be hurt over the fact that our flock is suffering and it should drive us to to a spiritual discipline that we might not have ever practiced before god i've prayed i've prayed i've prayed I've called out, I've done this, I've done that, and there's been no breakthrough. It seems like you're not listening. And the Holy Spirit would say, have you yet fasted? The Holy Spirit would say, have you yet gone to that extreme where you're willing to deny the very thing your body needs to survive to let the devil know and me know how desperate you are for me to move? You see, that's the power of fasting. It lets God and the devil both know how desperate you are for a move of God in your life. How desperate you are to see the windows of heaven open up and the power of God move into your life. The power of every other discipline is magnified and multiplied when it's combined with the spiritual discipline of fasting. Even Jesus himself said in Matthew 17, 21, sometimes prayer, these these are my words, I'm just paraphrasing what Jesus said, But he he reminds us in that passage of Scripture that sometimes prayer is not enough to break through. Sometimes prayer isn't enough to overcome the forces of darkness and the forces of evil that will come against you and your family and your finances and your friends and the church and the kingdom of God. Sometimes the worship and the tithing and the serving and all of the other spiritual disciplines, church, are not enough to put you past the enemy. Sometimes we must add the spiritual discipline of worship. I mean, of fasting to our life. Because it magnifies the power of all those other disciplines. All you have to do, listen to me. It amazes me. It amazes me. Even for myself, church. I'm the first guilty individual. But it amazes me. When you look at the condition of our world... When you look at the wickedness, when you look at the filth, when you, look at the, when you look at the selfishness, when you look at all the junk going on in Washington, when you look at all the corruption, when you look at all of that stuff that's going on in the world, it amazes me that we are not fasting more than we're fasting. It amazes me that we kind of just sit back and say a few prayers and think, well, this is just the way it is. I want you to know that there comes times when we've got to become desperate as a people for God to hear and God to move and God to respond. And I'll do it through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Paul and Daniel and David, as I begin to bring this to a close, and so many others, church, they said, With prayer and fasting, I came before the Lord. With prayer and fasting, I came before the Lord. You see, sometimes the reality is, sometimes... When you come before the Lord, praying isn't enough. Sometimes it's just not enough. As powerful as prayer is, Jesus said sometimes these things are not done except through prayer and fasting. And he was talking about overcoming the power of demons and darkness in someone's life. Not just possession. He was talking about the forces of evil and darkness. And sometimes we've got to fast and pray. Sometimes we've got to fast and worship. Sometimes we've got to fast and give. You see, if you've got a spiritual need and the Holy Spirit is talking and and prompting you and prodding you to give. Because when you give, He's going to release something into your life. What you need to do sometimes is add fasting to that. Before I give this offering that you've called me to give, God, I'm going to let you know how serious I am about you moving in my life, and I'm going to fast over this. I'm going to fast that you really move and answer this prayer that I've got. It lets the devil know and God know how serious we are about our spiritual disciplines. Go ahead and put on the music. I'm going to start bringing this to a close real quickly. The second thing I want you to understand about the definition of fasting is, is that it is an abstinence from food. An abstinence from food. I know there's a lot of teachings out there that tell you you can fast all sorts of other things in your life. You can fast TV, and you can fast internet, and you can fast your cell phone, and you can fast talking on, uh, you know, going on the internet and all these other things. that You can fast these things. But I want you to know there's only one biblical definition to fasting, and it is the abstinence of food. It is not the abstinence of TV. It is not the abstinence of the Internet. It is not the abstinence of emailing and twittering and and texting. It's not the abstinence of of going fishing. It's not the abstinence of going bowling or going golfing. It's not the abstinence of all these earthly pleasures or 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 material things that we can accumulate into our lives. It's fasting is not is not watching movies and, and, and not doing some of these other things. I'm not saying look, for some of us we need to put away some movies to get closer to God. For some of us we need we to put away golf so we can get into the house of God. For some of us, we need to get off of the internet so we're not looking at things we shouldn't look at. I'm not saying that these things shouldn't be put aside. But what I'm saying is that the true biblical definition of fasting is the abstinence of food. The very thing you need to survive, God is saying that's what you have to abstain from. The truth is, Hebrews 12 tells us that there are some things in our life that we need to put aside, that we need to strip off, so that we might run with endurance the race that's set before us. Those are things like TV. Those are things like movies. Those are things, those are things like golfing and fishing and all those things that keep us from a right relationship with God because they occupy so much of our time. Those are things that have no eternal value whatsoever. What God is saying is that if you're going to fast, you're going to fast food. You're going to fast the very thing that I created you to need. And that is what fasting is all about. The very thing that we need. It doesn't mean, listen, finally... The last thing that we need to understand about fasting is that fasting must be for a spiritual purpose. Otherwise, it has no spiritual effect in your life. If you're not fasting for a spiritual purpose, if you're not fasting for a spiritual goal, if you're not fasting for God to respond to a spiritual situation in your life, it's not going to have any spiritual effect in your life at all. This is what I mean. Fasting must be dedicated and consecrated and devoted to the Lord. Before you enter into a time of fasting, it must be consecrated to the Lord. It must be devoted to the Lord. And what that means is that if you're going to skip a meal, it doesn't mean you just, if, if you're at work and you say, Okay, God, well, I'm in fasting, but I'm at work, so I'm going to skip a meal, but I'm going to do all the stuff that I normally do. I'm going to have to get on the phone, and I'm going to have to do all of this stuff, and I'm going to have to occupy all, That's not really fasting. But fasting is, is dedicating the time you would otherwise spend on eating and satisfying the lust of the flesh, on feeding and satisfying the spirit. Fasting means that you've got to push away the plate and find a place of prayer. Fasting means that you're going to push away the plate and open up the Word of God. Fasting means you're going to push away the plate and all of the other follies and all of the other things that occupy your time and get alone with God. And maybe worship God and maybe call out to God and maybe be quiet so you can listen to God. It means finding a place of solitude like Jesus so often did when He got alone and got away with God. That's what fasting is. You can't fast with the phone. Ringing and bosses yelling and employees doing this. You can't fast with the TV on and you can't fast with the radio on unless it's worship music. You can't fast doing your daily regular routine and expect to get alone with God. All you're doing when it comes to that is skipping a meal. You're just skipping a meal. So you can do all of these other things that take up your time. If you want to fast, it means you give up food. And you give up the time that you would spend around that table or or at, at a restaurant or being with your family. And you get alone with God. And dedicate and consecrate and devote yourself to the Lord in whatever format that you can look at. Fasting is one of the greatest statements we can make to God concerning the urgency of our need. And we can do it, church, through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Fasting. Must have a spiritual purpose or it serves no purpose at all. These are the things that we need to learn next week. I'm going to go into the types of fasting. I'm going to go into some examples of fasting so you can see how it can affect your life so you can see and understand how it can bring power into your life or turn your situation around like it did with so many people in the word of God. But tonight, this is all I'm asking. I know it's it's teaching here, not having an altar call. But what I'm saying is, if you're willing to say tonight, God, I'm going to open up myself so that you can speak to me about the spiritual discipline of fasting. I'm not calling you to a fast. I'm not asking you to commit to a fast. I'm simply saying tonight, if you're willing to say, God, I want to be open to the spiritual discipline of fasting. I want you to speak to me. I want you to guide me. I want you to teach me. And I'm going to make myself available because I want to be who you want me to be. If you're willing to do that, stand to your feet so we can pray together and just be who God has called us to be. I do challenge you, though, if God speaks to you this week, listen to what he tells you. Don't listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit and do as he prompts you. If you have questions about fasting, you can call us. You can call the church, the pastor. Other people have information for you. Uh, but I do want to encourage you, don't run off from here tonight and say, Okay, God, I'm desperate about something. I'm going on a 30-day fast. And I'm going to give up complete food. And all. Don't do that because that's, that's the flesh talking. That's, not, that's, that's spiritual pride talking. That's not the Holy Spirit. When you fast, the Holy Spirit has to prompt you so that you do it and can receive a reward. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Father, for all the things that you've taught us this far about spiritual discipline and how they can create in us a, a godliness and a Christ-likeness, how they have the ability, Father, to create a reflection of, of the, the kingdom of God in our lives so that we can faithfully and fruitfully, God, reach this world that is lost and dying. I pray, Father God, when it comes to this spiritual discipline of fasting, that we all would learn, God, how to buffet our body, that we all would learn how to make it a slave to the spirit instead of our spirit. Slave to our flesh. I pray, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us in here, Father, how you might want us to fast and over what you might want us to fast. Let us not be afraid of it, Father God. Let us not uh, shrug it off. Let us not resist the, the move or the work of the Holy Spirit that wants to release some power into our life. I pray that you would just speak to us and teach us, Father God. Protect us through this week. And I pray that you would just pour out blessings upon us as we obey you and trust you and walk in your ways. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church, as we always do?